Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is human Rube Goldberg machine, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm good. What is a human Rube Goldberg? What is this? A Rube Goldberg machine? It's one of those things... You push a marble down a slope, and then it hits something, and then that hits something, and then that hits something, and next thing you know, the oh, cool! The, they're frying an egg right in front of you. Yeah, it's like mousetrap. Yeah, kind of like that, but mainly just because uh, you're everywhere, and you're always you have a lot of pieces in motion, and then you end up here on the podcast. Yes, in in cyber time. Cool. Okay, go on with the opening credits. <laughs> thank you tweet us at roman circus pod i'm at hey it's matt baker zach is at zach mabry z-a-c mabry email us podcast at roman you can find us on itunes rate and review us if you want leave a message let us know that you listen you can also find us on Podbean, stitcher and google play now zach last week we forgot to talk about your big adventure to Washington, D.C. We kind of hit on it a little bit in the interview with Michael Davis, but uh, why, don't you, why don't you recap for the people going out to D.C., meeting new friends, and hanging out? Yeah, it was, um, it was really cool. So I, um, I went up to New York City, actually, for uh, a warehouse observation at JFK because my you know, day job, I work for American Airlines. Right. And um, I talked to some of the Twitter peeps ahead of time to, you know, meet up and hang out while I was in New York City. Well, then, you know, lo and behold, um, Jose Mina's son is born and the baptism is going to be Saturday, the weekend that I'm going to be in New York. And everybody from New York that I was going to hang with was going down for the baptism. So I was like, well, I'll just go down and I can fly back out of DCA. so it's no big deal for my travel plans. Um, Isn't so, the DCA that socialist thing? No, that's the D, uh, that's, that's the DSA. DSA, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, DCA is is Reagan Airport in Washington D.C. Very much not socialist. No, not not Reagan. No. Okay, so you you went up to New York. Who'd you meet? Who who was your caravan down to D.C. with? Um, I got to ride down with Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom mm-hmm. and uh, Mecca mm-hmm. and because um, I don't think we named docs Mecca so I can't tell you anything other than Mecca mm-hmm. um, Bill so I, I can't really say these people's last names so if you're on Twitter you know them um, I'll tweet at them as a shout out from the podcast Twitter um, but yeah it was fun I'd never met them and I actually like I left JFK um, and took the train down to New Jersey and they, we, they picked me up at the Secaucus train station. And that was the first time I met these people. So, um, you know, literally like don't meet, don't get in cars with strangers. <laughs> don't meet people off the internet. Like these were strangers from the internet. Um, and I, I was the place I'd never been, uh, New Jersey. And we rode down to DC, another place I'd never been. Um, and we got to stay at, at Ben's house at Recant. Um, you're just saying a, cool a you're just saying a bunch of standard white people first names, Zach. Except for Mecca. I know. I'm like, oh, the Mecca. I'm like, yes, it was Tom, Paul, Bill, Ben. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Kevin. You, did, you didn't really um, you didn't really go anywhere. You just sat around with your imaginary friends. Basically, 
Um, so then Jose Mina, he, that is at GoOat for people who are listening yes. if you follow him on Twitter. Yes, and you should be following if you're not. So, um, Yeah, it was fun. I mean, really, a lot of people were at this baptism, like probably like 70 people maybe. Um, and then the reception, a.k.a. after party, was also very lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's neat because everyone was like, yeah, it just kind of randomly happened. And it's like this is the perfect thing about um, Catholicism and, you know, that you know we do gather around the sacraments and that's a chance to to see friends and meet friends and make memories um you know all the the big touch points of your life there's like a sacrament right there to uh you know to tie in some grace and so um yeah it was it was really fun and um kev was there Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, of twitter fame yeah um i met the helmix finally oh yeah you did we mostly we mostly talked about you the whole time yeah, that's so, that's all I care about. That was what I was very, very excited to hear that. I know. I I think I've told you my joke that like I listen to the Helmick podcast and I want to just send a copy of it to like a psychiatrist and be like, can you figure out how to make me like these people? Because <laughs> yeah. they're just like so nice and yeah. they're so nice to each other, which like most married friends that I have are nice to each other. Some are not, but like they're very like caring towards each other and it, it just shows. So I, I really liked getting to meet the Helmics. Um, oh yeah. It's, I, I got to meet Pip. Pip is wonderful in person. Um, I met Grace, you know, on Twitter as egg and mm-hmm. Jude, her fiance. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. JP Teddy was there. Um, Joey, a lot of Joey. Yes. I got to meet Joey, our, our biggest fan. Um, <laughs> Our biggest hater. It was fun. Yes. I mean, it's, it, well, I, I won't spoil the fun, so I'll, we'll pretend he's a, definitely a real hater. Um, totally hates us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? We uh, we got to go to the Trad Mass in D.C., so it's at um, a church called Old St. Mary's um, in Chinatown, mm-hmm. and so that was fun. That was where I got to meet Michael, because that's his parish. Did they do they call it Old St. Mary's to give it more of a tratty vibe, or is there actually like a new St. Mary's and that is the old St. Mary's? I don't know. Um I should look into it. I know that in Oklahoma City there's a there's a church downtown they call Old St. Joseph's mm-hmm. and the story with it is that it was the cathedral and it's not the cathedral anymore. So the old refers to the fact that it used to be the cathedral. I don't know if that's what Old St. Mary's is or mm-hmm. if there's another yeah. Um Novus Merriam Parish, but uh, <laughs> it, it's great. a it's a very pretty parish, and they had this you know this giant um, altarpiece. Like the the altar boys had to like climb up on top of it to light the candles. Oh, that's um, awesome! Yeah, so not as big as like the Brompton Oratory in London, but it's the same thing where like someone has to climb up onto a different level to light everything. Um, and so you know that's kind of cool, and it's very pretty parish. Um, excellent sermon i mean you know normally with when you're traveling and going to mass the only thing you can really tell it's different is the sermon mm-hmm. um just because i mean the ritual it's, itself is sort of designed you know over time to make sure that the you know the the human differences don't really show so that we can focus on our lord whether we're wherever we are we don't have to like learn a new situation when we go to a different place um so 
but yeah, it was, um, they had also had a lovely choir. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great being there. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Oh, Chris McCaffrey, we broke into his apartment. Okay. Very good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Good guy. He was a very gracious host. Sounds like it. Or at least. Oh, and I met Tammy who, Tammy, if you're listening to this, if you haven't started RCIA, you're in trouble. So there will be consequences. So Tammy's going to convert. Threatening people into RCIA. That's what we do here on the Roman Circus podcast. It's uh, it's our thing. Well, that's good. I'm, you got to bully I, them. I'm glad you went. I'm glad you got to meet all of them. Uh, that uh, sounds like an exciting time. I'm glad there was a baptism. Yes, I'm trying to... Th- I hope I didn't leave anyone now. It's not on purpose. There were a lot of people there. Oh, uh, Larry Larry Goose Train was there. Oh, yeah. He's a, gr- yeah, so he, he's a great was- gal, that Larry Goose Train. Yes, he was he was very very lovely. Very happy for him. And as he I don't know. I was going to go somewhere with that, but it didn't work. Okay. But yeah, it um it's neat. And it it just reminds me that like when you're Catholic and you you do put the faith first, um if you're even if you're from different parts of the world and you maybe have different political views to an extent or different lives, like there's a really big important thing that you have in common and you can become pretty fast friends with people when you know you share that with them. And so, like, the only person this weekend that I met prior to being there was uh, Kev. I met him once in Arizona. And it it strangely just felt like a gathering of, like, familiar people. I mean, obviously, we, I've tweeted with these people. But, you know, there's, you know, in establishing the church, it's like our Lord gave us this common touch point that we can have something, you know, something that links us to all of humanity that's like visible and you can talk about it and think about it. So it's very cool. Did you walk in and you didn't really know them and you're like, Hey, do you uh, respect the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ in the Eucharist? And they're like, I do. And he said, all right, well that works. Yeah. They're like at this, at this party, we repent and submit to the Pope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good. Um, it was funny with some people. I was like, can we, get name tags with our Twitter handles. Cause not everybody is at first name, last name like me. So, and it, someone will come up to you and they'd be like, Zach. And I'd be like, looking at them. They're like, I'm skeleton on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, what's up buddy. Um, so, or at least have their avatars on their faces. So you have a better idea. Yeah. Well, we were like joking that we'd put it on like the inside of our jackets. And so you'd like, you'd have your, your real name, and then you'd open it like this is my handle, and you're like, oh okay, because not everybody's been you know face doxed, I guess. So yeah. some people, it's like I've never seen what they look like. Mm-hmm. So it was very fun. I hope to see all these people soon. You met you met good tweet Dallas. man. You forgot to say that. Oh yes, good tweet man was there. Yeah. Um, you heard about this guy? And Nebraska almost guy? beat. You heard about him? Um, that good good tweet. That good tweet man. Yeah, you know, he was there and Nebraska almost beat Ohio State in football, so he was not having a breakdown. So that was wonderful. Okay, good. Anyway. He's a he's a big uh he's a big Nebraska fan, which is a terrible I mean it's great. I I really actually do like Nebraska and I wish that they were a better team because I think it'd be fun to revive like this old rivalry that Oklahoma and Nebraska used to have. Um but they're not I mean they're they're not I mean I have no room to talk. Oklahoma played terrible yesterday but uh or however many days from when we released this episode right against Oklahoma state. Um, but 
Nebraska was playing well, so good tweetment. Uh, Matthew Walter was there with his wife and children. Um, so great. There's he's like my favorite columnist. So so many names we're going to have to pick up off the floor after this episode. I know, just dropping them. It was fun, and I don't know if, if you know, a lot of them, I think, follow us on Twitter and talk to us. I don't know if they always listen to us. Um, but I do think that Rory Helmick recognized my voice when I was talking. Oh, that's the, that is the dream right there. That's, I've, I've never been more jealous of anything in my entire life. Yes. And he's a very stylish, stylish young man with his sweaters. Yeah. He's great. Actually, that's the last thing I'll say about it is at mass, I was standing in line to go to confession. Um, and I look down and I, they're not facing me. So I see this little kid facing away from me. So I can't see his face, but I realize he's wearing like this really great, sweater mm-hmm. and i was like oh that's definitely rory helmick and then there was kyle and carrie so um a few feet away so it was it was neat fantastic yes so that's that why happened. that's why you should become catholic everyone needs to become catholic so that you can meet random strangers places and uh have things to talk about and be friends with yeah over form form friendships and you know getting to go to heaven by the time this episode airs, I'll be in the sky on the way to see Jake, so that'll be exciting. And uh, yes, well, I'll... the Crunch pretends that Jake's last name is private, so they call him Jake last name. Yeah, he's he's known as Commie Jake around these parts. But Commie Jake, uh, Stalin Jake. Yeah. Um, all right, Jake. So hey. Zach, we have a we have another interview slash conversion story coming up at the. Uh, at the end of the podcast, not at the end, at the middle of the podcast. It's with our old friend and one of our original listeners, Clement. Clement the man. So stick around for that. Clement the man. Also, uh, before I forget, the interview is kind of intense because he's had some stuff go on in his life. So just a heads up that there are some things in it. It's because we keep it... Right, we keep it real, and grace grace reaches low. So whether you're Saint Augustine, right, or Clement the Man, um, there's a time in your life before uh, before you kind of came to that moment of God's grace, and um, it's different for everybody. And and Clement is very willing to tell his story, which I think is wonderful. Um, but he he's definitely lived a life, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot happened um, on his way to. The church, and I think it's wonderful that he's able to process that as you know, as part of his path to the church, um, and it, it just shows that you know that's how God works. I always told my friend, I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like God just needed a useless person to be in the church, so He came and picked me. Um, <laughs> you know, it, the church is God going around and gathering up, you know, broken people and and making something out of it. So it's a uh, and that's that's obviously not we we have episodes on what the church is if you mm-hmm. want to hear those but you know um it, it's neat you have certain saints that were like incredibly holy and pious their whole lives mm-hmm. you know like as little tiny children and yeah of course there's the the child saints too and then you have saints like Paul and Augustine and stuff that you know they got to see the other side and it, it's neat that it, just the diversity of the communion of saints that there's kind of a different story for each one. Sure. Um, so, so we're yeah. happy to have him on the show. Well, yeah. The, obviously, uh, the point I was trying to get across was if you have like younger listeners, you might want to watch out because there's a few intense parts. But the story is great. That's what. Yes. That's all I was trying to say. Right. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But Zach, 
You mentioned Grace a Matt. few times in. Yes, your I met her in there. DC. Oh yes, Grace, of course, that Grace. We're talking about it. We're going to talk about a different Grace today. We're, oh, okay. Uh, we could go on forever about human Grace. I, we couldn't because we don't really know a ton about her, but in theory we could. Uh, we're going to actually talk about Grace and actual Grace and sanctifying Grace today because we were asked to talk about it and. Uh, if someone asks us to talk about it, we will. So you want to start with some definitions, first of all? Yes, I think that's always important, especially with a word like grace, which you know gets thrown around in a lot of different contexts. So I think it's good to start with a good working definition. So let's hear it, Matt. Okay, so grace, the definition of grace that we'll use is a supernatural gift from God bestowed on us through the merits of Jesus Christ for our salvation. Okay. A supernatural gift from God bestowed on us through the merits of Jesus Christ for our salvation. So that's, yeah, grace overall. Another definition I've seen just to like expand on the general is essentially like a, um, a sort of like a condescension shown by a highly placed, like something higher to something lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you'll see grace as like, you know, it's a grace that the, you know, the king gives something to one of his subjects or sure. you know, something that the lower person didn't earn. And yet, you know, the higher being, higher person, higher power, um, gives it to them anyway uh, for their good. Right. And so, but you know, primarily now we don't say it's like a grace when Congress, you know, gives us a tax break or something. But uh, mm-hmm. we mostly think of it in a supernatural sense. But that's that's like a, if you want to picture it, it, it is like the higher, yeah. Um, and then yeah, like lots of different kinds. I guess you want to kind of list off each kind and we can define those actual grace is transient help from god that enlightens the mind and strengthens the will so remember we talked about the uh the intellect and the will they're the higher faculties Uh, they're the stuff of the soul and that is that is what we share when we talk about being made in the image of god that is the higher faculties are what we are talking about. So when we get actual grace, it is transient help from God that enlightens the mind and strengthens the will. Sanctifying grace can also be called the indwelling of the Trinity or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it is created participation in the divine essence. Created participation in the divine essence. Okay. Sanctifying grace we get through baptism, and we get when we are in the state of grace. Actual grace, we do not need to be baptized nor in the state of grace to receive. Right. So um, that's an uh, important distinction, you know, when you're breaking it between actual grace and sanctifying grace, because, you know, if you just lump them all together as grace, which in conversation, that's kind of how you'll hear it. Sure. um, You can, you know, you can get confused and, and mix up your... Your, wor- your terms, I guess you can say. Well, that's the other thing that, I don't know, sometimes these TV preachers, they just every, they just kind of talk about grace as just one all-encompassing, gracey, grace thing that just kind of happens. I don't know if you've ever picked right. up on that. Right. And, and it's tricky there because, like, you know, if, if you are not in the state of sanctifying grace, you don't have sanctifying grace, right? Yeah. But then if you, you know, if you do something you know, something that's clearly a grace from God, that's contradictory. And you may think, oh, this must mean I'm actually in the state of grace. Cause like this could, you know, this couldn't happen without grace. 
but that's because it's an actual grace. Um, so, you know, that's where it's also important to like know the difference. I'll list some effects of actual grace, Zach, and then we can do some effects of sanctifying grace. So as we said, actual grace enlightens the mind, it strengthens the will, and it orders us to natural goods. So basically by things like do this, don't do this type things, basically natural, natural law level goods. It also help us, helps us order our lower, lower faculties, which are like our, our memory and our imagination and things of that nature. It helps quiet our emotions. It helps inspire prayer. It helps with reparation as far as uh, like an exterior justice towards something and also interiorly like a healing effect. And it also mm-hmm. is aimed towards getting us towards a closeness to God, okay? In, in that regards, because we were respecting uh, the natural law and we're respecting things of that nature, okay? So it's very, it's all about the natural law. It's all about pushing us towards the natural good and the natural ends of things. Mm-hmm. All right, so one of the big things about actual grace is it is transient, Okay. So we have it as long as we accept it. In the moment, if we're inspired to do something, then we have the grace from that moment. It doesn't linger. It doesn't wait for us to catch up. It doesn't like come back around again. It is only there as long as we accept it. And if we miss that moment, then it's gone. And we have to wait for another moment of grace to show. Right. And that's one of the reasons that we, you know, we study and we try to learn how to understand what's good and what's bad in the faith. Um, so that when God sends us an actual grace, we recognize it and we, we act on it. I think, Um, I think we get so caught up sometimes too, in the, uh, the idea of being in a state of grace, which obviously we should always be in and we should never not be in, but we can't forget about the, the natural law things too, because they all, they all play a role together, right? You can't actual grace is very important and you can't just shoot, you need to shoot for sanctifying grace, but any moments of actual grace you receive because you might not be baptized or you might be out of a state of grace, you need to work on getting those as much as possible. Right. And I think uh, another thing with the term actual grace is I think mm-hmm. the base word there of acts. It's kind of the grace that sort of directs your actions or it relates to your your activities. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, if you're if you're not in the state of grace and you decide to repent and go to confession, um, you know it's going to take like an actual grace to get you there. Um, right. That's a huge for the most part. That's a huge actual grace. That's one that is always there that we can take advantage of, no matter how how long it's been, how far, how of all the terrible, awful stuff we've done. There is at some point enough actual grace. Uh, to get back to confession, unless unless God decides to pull His grace completely, which is another topic for another time, right? And I mean, without going down that as a rabbit hole, I think it, it does just point out the danger of presumption. Is that like if you think you know I can go ahead and commit this sin and go to confession and and get cleaned up and all everything will be fine, you're you're betting on on God giving you an actual grace and on a future time to go to confession mm-hmm. and you may not, that may not happen. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons that 
presumption is is considered a, a sin against hope is because it's it's inverting the idea of of you know we hope that God will give us all the graces that we um, we need for salvation and He's promised to do that. But if we like if we go out and license ourselves to sin, thinking you know I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go rob this guy and then just go go to confession and and I'm off the hook and God's gonna give me the actual grace to do it because He has to. You know that that's a sin of its own and it's a risky bet. I mean again because you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And, um, there are saints that talk about, you know, points where, you know, there's an eventual point where God will just kind of let you do things your own way. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, in scripture, that's, that's the, you know, the biggest punishment to the Israelites was basically anytime God was, you know, they offended God, you know, gravely, he would say, okay, do it your way. Right. And that was always a huge disaster for them. Um, so, you know, that's just something to keep in mind with, with actual graces. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, the church, there's some heresies about how actual graces relate to like naturally good acts. Um, because you have the Pelagians that basically think that you can, you know, just entirely naturally make yourself, you know, more or less perfect, Mm -hmm. um, you know, through, through penances and, and strict guidelines and, you know, everything, um, you know, there, I think you see that today. I mean, I, you know, I encourage people to get help when they need it, obviously. Um, but you know, I think some people think that, you know, through, through purely natural things, you know, through therapy or medication or this or that, they can make themselves a saint or they can have, you know, all the happiness that they're meant to have. And the, the thing is, is that grace still has to be involved. And so, you know, you can and, and should do everything on the natural order that is good, mm-hmm. um, for yourself, for others, for the world, you know, whatever it is, but you can't, you can't really disregard the the necessity of grace in order to, um, you know, become good. But you can, I mean, without grace, and the church, you know, teaches this, is that, yes, without grace, you can do things that are good because there's an objective reality that, you know, things that are good according to the natural law are good. And, right. you know, through your own power of reason, you can uh, you can do those things without an actual grace. Um so it's it's like you don't want to go too far. Like we're not total total depravity, like incapable of doing anything good without an actual grace. Um, but we're not, you know, super hardcore, you know, Buddhist ninja, you know, using the power of mind to do everything. Like we still need we still need grace. Um and so yeah, don't become don't become a heretic. <laughs> that's that's a that's a great advice there, Zach. Yeah, it, it so it, it requires all grace requires our cooperation within that so it's we have we can't it's not just going to like it's not just going to descend onto us and allow us to do good acts we have to accept it and do the good acts right so that's yeah the main thing and usually if you're praying for someone you're you're kind of asking for an actual grace like if i'm praying that you know somebody that i met um decides to convert and come into the church I can't pray sanctifying grace into this person's soul, mm-hmm. right? Um, I can't, like, I can't ask God to, like, you know, forego their need to be baptized or whatever it is. But I can pray that God give them the actual grace, um, which could be everything from, you know, they happen to... I mean, it, grace works in all sorts of ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, they happen to be on a plane sitting next to a priest and, you know, they decide to convert there. Or... You know, they they have a moment of mental clarity and they realize, oh, I've got to do this. Or, 
you know, I mean, it, like we said, enlightens and strengthens. And so, you know, you can, that's pretty broadly defined. I hope to be corrected on this if I'm wrong, but I think when priests offer mass for non-Catholics, they can only offer it for their, um, for their conversion, right? That's kind of what you're talking about, like a praying, praying that they receive the actual grace to convert. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's, you have to, you have to, I always say you have to like be standing in the right place to look at situations like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're standing in from, you know, from a heavenly perspective mm-hmm. and you're looking at somebody, um, who, you know, is currently not receiving the sacraments, you know, doesn't have, um, you know, doesn't have the very, I mean, you know, the, the, the path to eternal life is, is laid out and there's all these wonderful, you know, sort of guaranteed to work manners of doing it by following our Lord's teaching. Um, so if, you know, if you're thinking from an eternal standpoint, that's the best thing a person can have. So, you know, if they're praying, if they have some other intention, like they lost their job or they've gotten sick physically, you know, remember that none of those things matter in eternity. You know, you don't bring your resume to heaven. Um, you know, there's no disease in heaven. So um, that's, it's mainly an issue of like, you know, what's the highest good for someone? Well, it's getting to spend all eternity with God. So whatever the thing they need to have that is going to come first. And then everything else is, you know, important, but less so. So from, you know, if you're standing on the side of heaven, if you're with the saints and the saints, you know, want more saints, they're going to do whatever they can to get you to, you know, be able to be a saint forever with them. Um, And that's going to outshine your need for, you know, a new job or to find like a purse that you lost. Well, got to have those purses, especially if we spend a lot of money on it, though. Oh, true. All right. So then sanctifying grace created participation in the divine essence. So some of the primary effects of sanctifying grace, and this is where it gets down to the this is where the hardcore stuff comes in. By living this supernatural life of sanctifying grace, we become truly pleasing to God. We become true children of God and we are able to share in his nature. That's because when we when we are in a state of grace and we start receiving sanctifying grace, we become Christ-like and we become heirs to his promise. That sounds really intense and really hardcore. Like we're like, we aren't any of that in the state of actual grace, but really, as we know, when you're in a state of grace, you truly can approach God in justice, right? And you can truly see what he has laid out for you. So all that makes sense that it, the sanctifying grace would lead us towards that. We're able to gain merit. This is the big one. This is where we actually get something back, right? And well, we get the actual grace, but we get, we get merits essentially that lead us towards our supernatural end. Merits are an increase in sanctifying grace and ultimately eternal life. So this is, this is the thing, um, why you want to stay in sanctifying grace for as long as you possibly can, because you earn all of these things and all of your acts become meritorious. If you, for some reason, have a, you know, have a relative that had a deathbed confession and conversion, that is good. We pray that they made it to heaven, but there also was no, no act, like no meritorious acts that could come of that. That's why you want to spend most of your life, all of your life in a state of grace. Yes. Um, the, like a, a way to look at it, and I'm going to borrow this from a sermon I heard once, is that, you know, by our own natural powers, we have no way to get to heaven and live there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that sounds you know drastic but i mean think about it we we can't um we can't build a ladder and climb there right and we can't build a rocket and shoot ourselves there um the only way that we can get there is by having you know a a very specific you know power mm-hmm. to get there and that power is what sanctifying grace is so sanctifying grace is not transient unlike actual grace so we have it once we have it we have it but also mortal sin kills sanctifying grace right so you you know you have this amazing power that you know is greater than anything that mankind can accomplish or invent or create which is sanctifying grace which gives you the ability you know when you die it gets your soul to heaven like think about that mm-hmm. um yeah that's awesome um a, a mortal sin snuffs that out and so that that's why mortal sin is such a, a tragedy you have to understand properly define what a mortal sin is there's three parts all three are required for it to count but um you know still uh that's why you want to want to stay out of that and it, you know if you do sin you you need to get right to confession basically so sanctifying grace orders us to our final end which is god and it also mm-hmm. gives us an infusion of the virtues so we can be virtuous. We can grow in virtue through sanctifying grace. You don't need to. Right. We don't need to break down all the virtues at this moment, but we should talk about them at some point. That would be fun. It would. So yeah, sanctifying grace is given through baptism and maintained through the sacraments, and especially the sacrament of uh, confession. And what did you what did you say? I'm totally losing on the phrase the dead sacraments, sacraments of the dead. Oh yeah, the idea is you have sacraments of the dead, and so these are sacraments that uh, that can um, restore or bestow grace on uh, a soul that is currently outside the state of grace. So like if you're not in the state of grace and you go to communion, um, you don't you don't get any grace from doing that. It's, that's actually a sin called sacrilege. Um, because that's the you know communion is a sacrament of the living. Um, it, it's like giving food to a dead person. You, you, there's no nourishment mm-hmm. happening, and it's weird. Right. Um, for the sacraments of the dead, and I, I could be wrong on on whether or not extreme unction is one. So we'll just set that aside. Um, you have baptism and confession, where yeah, I mean essentially what you'd call a dead soul or a soul that doesn't have sanctifying grace, this power to go to heaven. Um, can receive these sacraments and, and be restored to sanctifying grace. One of the things that I guess we should talk about is the idea of merit and you know how we always get accused of trying to like backdoor our way into heaven as Catholics or we try it like if you if we score enough points then maybe we'll be able to get into heaven or whatever certain Protestant denominations say. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I don't uh, set aside the fact that you want to be doing good and you want to be doing meritorious acts your entire life. That does not change the fact that actual grace also involves works and actual grace also involves your cooperation, right? So we're not saying that you're, you're going to pull a fast one on God at all because you can't pull a fast one on God. Point is that all of this takes our cooperation. All of this takes us, acting and making it happen through the grace of God, obviously. But like you, 
you have when you have the actual graces appear, you have to take advantage of them. When you're in the state of grace, you have to act to remain in the state of grace. And if you fall out, you have to get back in, right? So all of this is reliant on us. God makes us, we have to rely on him, but it also is up to us to act upon it. And it benefits because the longer you're in sanctifying grace and the more you merit and the more you grow in virtues, the easier it becomes over time to stay in that state of grace. The easier it is. Right. And that's because it, I was going to say, sorry, the easier it is to like, if you want to say like spread the good news per se, to use a term, right? Like it's easier to, it becomes easier to talk about it. It becomes easier to just live your life in this state. And it, well, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, and it, it becomes easier for a couple reasons, but one of them primarily is that it actually changes you. Mm-hmm. Um, Grace builds it, on It nature. changes your soul. Right. Well, in this case, though, it, it's almost like the other direction. So it, it actually changes your soul, the sanctifying grace. Mm-hmm. And um, the the body, um, what, what is the, what's the phrase? The, the body conforms to the operation of the soul. Right. So in in this case, basically the because the grace changes your soul, your soul and your body are a composite. They're they're united. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have a body with a soul inside of it. Um, it. It does change, you know, everything. And that means, you know, when you're talking about your body, that includes your brain. Mm-hmm. And so um, you do become more receptive of grace by habituating it. And then on the natural level, anything that you do repetitively becomes easier to do. Sure. Um, yeah, well, that's one of so, that's one of know, the things. Sanctifying grace is also known as habitual grace. Yeah, um, and so that's you know that's where it's neat. And if you think about things like the priesthood, I mean, the whole purpose of a priest is based around this whole concept of sanctifying grace. Either you know um, bestowing it at baptism, restoring it at communion, increasing it through um, uh, sorry, restoring it at baptism, re, uh, bestowing it at baptism. Restoring it at confession, increasing it at communion, or, or you know, protecting it through good preaching. Um, there, it's all centered around this whole concept of the importance of of sanctifying grace. And as it, um, the terminology I've seen is like the full flowering. So you have to think like if you're in the state of mortal sin and you go to confession or you get baptized, it's like sanctifying grace. I almost picture it like a tiny seed that's planted, and you know, you kind of water it through prayer and living a good life and receiving the sacraments and it it gradually grows and takes over more of your more of your life i mean it, it's it's never irresistible you can always choose by your will to resist grace mm-hmm. any grace but um yeah you know it's it's that's the idea of you know living a catholic life is essentially living a life that increases your grace mm-hmm. and ultimately it's we have we do it out of justice to God, right? Justice is giving, rendering someone their due. Reli- the virtue of religion is giving God his due. So in justice, we owe God everything, right? We can never fully pay back God. We can never fully pay back God that is holding us in existence at every moment, right? So we have to do things like this to try and approach God in justice and give God whatever due we possibly can at that moment. So that's right. That's why we need to stay there, folks. What do you think? Is there more? Do we do all right? It's is there? I guess we'll find out. People will say we did all right or say we did terribly. But is there anything else you want to add? 
Um, no, I mean, obviously there's a lot we can talk about with Grace. Yes. Um, but I think this is a really good starting point is just understanding kind of the two main flavors uh, <laughs> of actual grace and sanctifying grace. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I think it's good. So we should roll into the interview? Yeah, let's roll into the interview. Should we do an ad first? Oh, let's hear it. No, uh, we don't have any ads. Oh, man. I know. Maybe next time. All right. Let's talk to Clement. Your your ad here. <laughs> Zach, another week, another guest. We are excited to be joined by one of our very first listeners. I don't know when he came in, but it had to be near the very beginning. And it is Clement the man. Clement, how are you today? Pretty good, guys. Nice to see you all. Hear from you. Hey, well, welcome to the circus. Pleasure is all ours. Long time so, listener, first time caller. <laughs> that's that's good. We've never had anyone say that on the podcast. I'm glad. Literally, I... literally been working on that since you guys asked me to be on the show. Very nice. You did. You did well. Thank you. I've been worried about it. That's the only reason we brought you on. Thanks for that's, coming on. Thank you. Have a great night, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So. We wanted to have Clement on because we like conversion stories, and Clement was like, "Hey, we I have a I have a pretty fantastic conversion story," and we're like, "Well, Clement's a nice young man. <laughs> we like we like it. We like hearing from him on the Twitter. So uh, I don't I don't really know how to how to start this segment. So why don't why don't you start with what?" Start start from wherever you want to start with. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, okay. Like I said, I'm Clement the Man. Uh, mm-hmm. I I am a self-described Catholic hip-hop artist. I am a rapper. Uh, I do what they call like Christian hip-hop or hashtag CHH. But I, a lot of my stuff is more Catholic-oriented. A lot of the hip-hop that you hear in the Christian scene right now is more Protestant evangelical. Um, but I like to add a little JP two in every now and then it's all pre Vatican two, uh, you know, uh, mostly in Latin. So no, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, sold us. Yeah, yeah. I have. like right now I'm kind of at a point where I've been rapping a lot about, what's going on in my life unless what um, a fellow uh, Christian hip-hop artist, Shylin from Philadelphia, he calls lyrical theology. It's hard at first to, to, to write about like my conversion story. And I, I actually, funny is, I guess the Holy Spirit uh, and God's providence, like I literally started working on a song today called Honesty. And that's just like, I'm honestly going to tell you this story that I've been scared to tell people about the drugs, the alcohol, you know, the life before Christ and, you know, just the hedonistic, like heathen lifestyle that I lived. But now I'm ready to speak about it honestly. That reminds me of yeah. our good friend, uh, St. Augustine. He's got his whole book, Confessions, and obviously, you know, the Apostle Paul, a lot of people before Christ um, came into their lives lived lived you know they they went through it they lived some rough some rough things so i mean that's um that's uh it's important you know it's important to recognize and it kind of shows you the transformation that that comes about when you when you come into the church so we 
When did you, uh, what year did you come into the church? We came into the church 2016 or 17? Fall of 2016. Okay, when you say when you say we and the lovely voice in the background is that was my wife. She's in the background. Nice. <laughs> now she's embarrassed, but she's very okay. nice. We support wives. We, Way we, to go. Yeah, yeah. We are a pro wife. That leads me podcast. to my second point. Why don't you guys have wives? You guys seem like catches. You know, let's, let's sorry, deal. sorry, Clement. You're breaking up. I can't really hear what's going on. You're. Uh, I'm. I'm just kidding. Um, oh. <laughs> I yeah, I, I got to practice my answer for that before Thanksgiving because I, I know that my grandma is like looking at her watch, oh, yeah. calendar, whatever you want to call it, thinking, Zachary, where's your wife? So I, I got to work on that. No, that's, that, I mean, I never thought I'd get married until it just happens. I mean, we we dated for like three months and then got married. Two and a half months, oh, wow. months and nice. then got married. Now, we had known each other. We had been friends. But so fall of 2016, what was the spur? What was the moment to get you to want to come into the church? Well, okay. That's Here where we it gets go. Sad. Here we go. June 18th, uh, 2016, my father committed suicide. Wow. And yeah, a uh, gunshot wound. He drove out away from where we live out quite, quite a bit of ways to where we have a family farm near that area. Sent my mom a text. She, um, he had been suffering a lot with mental illness since uh, he retired and and things like that. I mean, we have theories that we think he like he was always kind of a hypochondriac. Thought he was terminally ill. That there was nothing that could do for him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, my mom actually found him. She drove out and found him. So, instead of grieving properly. Uh, so what I did was not grieve, and what I did was stayed this, like, unmovable rock for everybody. Like, I was back to work in four days. Wow. And um, I was just like, okay, this is what you do as a man. You got a wife, you got a kids. I had to tell the kids. Mind you, we had been married for only a year, not even a full year. Mm-hmm. And the girls... Uh, you know, had really only known him for a year because uh, they are my stepchildren. Uh, but that's so beside the fact. To, in my heart, there's they're mine. But they had only really known him for like less than a year. So for them to have this person in their life and then rip it away, like in such a violent way, was such a. So, anyways, I did what I normally had done. I had been sober for a while, but I started drinking and. Uh, using drugs again to kind of cope with this situation. It was all kind of on the sly, on the sneak. Mm -hmm. And um, I had actually been on probation for an altercation where I had tried to kill myself and my dad saved me. And then um, the cops got called and I had to go downtown and went to a, a psychiatric facility for a while. Got that under control. Then when he died, I started kind of slightly using again and then one night I uh, did a lot and it was like in front of my wife and kids and uh, the cops got called and I got taken downtown uh, basically on kind of like a an alcohol related crime I got locked up for about 30 days and it, in that 30 days I found this book 
and it was called The Secret Life of Bees. And The Secret Life of Bees, they have this lady has this uh, like cult of Mary where they sit in front of this Mary statue every night and say Hail Marys. And every every year they uh, anoint the this statue of Mary with honey and bake cakes for her. And now my brother converted in sometime in the early 2000s. We grew up Methodists as well. So he, hey yo, hey yo, shout out John Wesley. And then uh, <laughs> we, and then I at one point like I lived in Chicago with my brother. This was 2014, and I started going back to church. I was like, okay, I want to be Catholic. I actually thought I wanted to be a priest for a while. Like I was kind of studying for it, but what I didn't know was that I was on a lot of drugs and alcohol. And I could never really get my life right to get this going. And um, I had met this girl, and her name was my wife. And I met her. She was my waitress at Denny's. And uh, we had talked a little bit, and then we kind of lost touch. And then I had actually gotten out of rehab in 2014 in Chicago. And my Snapchat was like, hey, this person wants to talk to you. And I was like, hey, girl, I heard Snapchat wants us to talk. And we just started <laughs> talking from then and there. And then I got this, like, feeling in my heart, and it was like, God. But after I had gotten out of rehab, I was like, I did this myself. I don't need God. You know, like, I went to the Salvation Army, and their theology is bogus. They don't do baptism. They do, like, underneath a flag is how they initiate you into the church and the Salvation <laughs> okay. Army. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I know I'm talking like backwards and forwards, but it's all going to come to a point, I promise. That's fine. <laughs> so we come down two months later after we started uh, dating. We get married July 29th, 2015. That's when the girls start hanging out with me and – my dad and my mom and my brother, my brother and his wife are Catholic. They have like six kids now. When I was living with them, I was helping um, take care of one of the youngest ones, and him and I are very close. His name's Ignatius. Um, they all have Catholic. Hi, names. Ignatius. Ignatius Ambrose. Uh, it's awesome. So very nice. Yeah. Anyways, so I thought I could do it without God. My dad kills himself. I go to jail. I read this book. And in the book, they're saying Hail Marys. And I was like, I remember doing this. And I had this moment where I was like laying in the jail cell and I looked up and I really could hear Holy Spirit or or somebody was like, are you done? And it was like, no, but seriously, this is the second time you've been locked up. Um, you either need to get it together now or you're never going to get it together. I made a moment. I called my wife eventually and I was like, I really want to go back to church. And she's like, yes, we need to do that. Because we had never done it together. You know, I had kind of scoffed at, you know, Jesus. And I, like, kind of always knew there was, like, a higher power, but I didn't need him. And then, like, when I was in the in the jail, like, we went to this Bible study. And this, like, kind of preacher pastor guy came in. And he saved us all, like, like a very Baptist way. 
and like I was crying, and this other guy and I were crying, and our jumpsuits hugging, and it's like, you know, we're gonna turn our life around. And I was dead serious. When I say something, like I'm going to do something, I I mean it, 100%. And I haven't taken a drink of alcohol since I got out, or you know, since I got in, really. And that was about two years ago. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. Um, thank you. So it's been about over two years. And uh, so we started going to this, okay, 2016. So we get out. I'm like, okay, we're going to go to church. And she's like, where do you want to go? I was ready to go to any local Protestant church just around the corner, just any church. I was just ready to, like, get Jesus in my heart, and I was ready to, like, praise God and read the Bible again and do, like, wholesome stuff. I had nothing to do with my former life as, like, a street musician or just a party rat, anything. I was like, family man, all the way, going to get it turned around. And she's like, well, my grandma came from Japan, and she was Catholic. I was like, that's actually what I want to do, but I didn't want to put it on you. It's like, so we found this church, and it was like a little tiny Catholic church in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, in a town. And we went there, and... <laughs> I'm actually going to give you the guys this track of this song called Truth Journey to play at the end of your episode if you'd like. And there's a line in there, and it's like, walked in the door and the priest said, what's up? Didn't notice we had tats from our R's on up. Uh, we had stretched out ears because we were so punk. He opened the doors and he welcomed us up. And that actually happened. Like, we walked through the door, we had stretched ears, tattoos, like, funny haircuts, <coughs> like, just straight punk rockers all the way and he was like welcome where are you guys from we're like uh from around the corner and he was a he's indian and there's like a huge catholic community out there and so we started going through rcia we did the whole ed shree uh sit down and watch these dvds and we were reading our own books on the, our own time and like we were the only two in our RCIA class because it didn't match up with the other couple's schedules. And the guy was finally like, okay, you guys know more than these, like, introduction DVDs. He's like, take these DVDs home, watch them, come back with your questions. And it turned out the RCIA guy ended up becoming a really good friend of ours. Easter comes. Uh, we get into the church. The children get baptized. Uh, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful moment. A year later, the girls take their first communion. So that's Amazing. where we are right now. Like when we first brought the kids, uh, and we, I was like talking to the priest, and he was like, oh, you have such a beautiful family. What are their names? I was like, they're Bella and Noah. He was like, are they baptized? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. Are they baptized? And she was like, no. He's like, okay, we'll get everybody baptized. And like we, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Uh, arguably the best thing that, I've ever done and everybody got me straight I couldn't have done this without help and support there was no Clement that did all this that was how that worked out basically because so you mentioned that you mentioned the like the earrings and the crazy haircuts and stuff I don't I, you know since we we can see you I don't I don't see that you have a very normal haircut I don't see if there's still earrings or not I, and so did that I I took out the ear I took out the stretched ears because I got sick of actually being like like everybody else and like in my circle 
everybody else had weird ears and funny haircuts. So I was like, I'm just going to not do that. So I took them out and Elizabeth, she still has stretched ears. So, and obviously the tattoos don't go away. (laughs) Scrub as you might, but no, I mean like deeply inside of my heart, still very punk rock. Like always will be a rebel without a cause for no reason Mm -hmm. other than, but I found that in Christianity, like Jesus as a social revolutionary, you know, I see, I see that, but I also see like that the core of that social revolutionary is love, which is kind of missing from secular music, if you will. Is there anything that you felt drawn to like a particular devotion since you've come into the faith or is there, what have you learned? Cause it, you're, very you're very fresh into it so you're probably you're probably discovering all these things you didn't know existed what have you found over the past year that's been that you've enjoyed well growing up being a protestant like i probably read the bible more than you did no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no but like when i was in rehab uh we went to these little like bible lessons and some guy was like Ian, why aren't you teaching these classes? And I was like, that's my real name, by the way, Ian. You like, just doxed yourself. I just doxed myself. I don't really care. Uh, but they were like, Ian, why aren't you teaching these classes? I'm like, uh, why? And he's like, you know the Bible better than any of these guys down here. And I was like, uh, well, just that's, you know, blah, 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 Ephesians, blah, 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 Galatians, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I just knew where all that stuff was. And I, I, I thought because I knew it so well, that um that I didn't need it like I thought oh I got a handle on this so like I get how this is a joke or a lie or a mystery you know like yeah but you had a you had a foundation though right like it's yeah I I mean I stepped I mean I still know all the like the songs from growing up and all like the the little where you bounce a ping pong ball back and forth to each other to learn a bible verse do you ever do that in the Methodist one we did that. No, we, what is this? Okay, so you take John 3.16, for instance. You take a ping pong ball. You got a group of kids. You take the ping pong ball. And then you go, four. And you bounce it to the other kid. He goes, for God. He bounces it to the other kid. For God so. For God so loved. For God so loved the world. You know, and they go on and on until you memorize the Bible verse. Bounce the ping wow. pong ball back and forth. It's like a Disney sing-along, but for Bible verses. It was pretty rad, really. I mean... <laughs> I, I, they don't really do that stuff for the religious education at our, at our, uh, our, our place. I mean, not to, I don't. Oh no, I feel the rant coming on. I'll spare everybody. I'm not going to rant about religious ed. Right no, now. dude, you want to, do- <laughs> I, I don't really want to dox my church, but look, my kids came home. No, it's not even your church. It's, it's no. like rampant. Don't even worry. Dude, they, the kids came home with this paper and they were like, we're going to pray and we're going to find out the name of our guardian angel. Oh no, no, no. And I, I no, immediately the, no. the the director of religious education at our church is like my kids' aunt, and she's like my like sister because she was like best friends with my brother and sister in law, and I called her, and I was like, "Yo," and she was like, "No," and I was <laughs> like, "Yeah," and she was like, "I'm getting on this right now." <laughs> it was somebody's idea, and I guess they had the priest come in and tell all the kids, "Don't do it." Like hair, yeah, that, hair that will, alert. Yeah, yeah, that's like a common thing. It's like it's such a gnostic, like that specific. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like this weird... And, yeah, no, then normally once people think about it, it, it's not that hard to explain, you know? Once they think about it, they're like, yeah, this is bad. So that, But that's good, though. So you called. You were a good, like, informed parent, activist. All right, we had some technical difficulties, but Clement is back. Zach is back. I am back. What were we, what were we talking about last? We were, we were talking about how you don't name your guardian angels. But uh, very important. Yeah, very, very important. Well, it's that's good. Like, this is all stuff. Yeah, you had a good foundation coming in. So there was a lot of stuff that you knew or you knew instinctively that a lot of people have to pick up on the fly as they go through Catholicism. I had a I had a Damascus moment. I went to this church with my brother. I wasn't a Christian. I was in college. I was drinking and drugging. And this particular parish, uh, St. John Cantus in Chicago, shout out, uh, was... We love that parish. Oh, you do? You know that one? Yeah. It's famous. That's like a... Like, everybody loves that parish. Oh, see, I didn't realize. I say, I'm so blessed because I... When I was living up there, like, that was... That's where we went to Mass. That was... Very nice. That was home church. Even though there was one closer, uh, you know, St. John's really wasn't that far. Anyways... When I was in college, I went up to visit my brother, and uh, the the parish is devoted to sacred art, sacred music. And I looked around at all this beautiful pictures and heard all this beautiful music and all this artwork, and literally a blue light flashed before my eyes, and I was blind for like a few seconds. It feels like an eternity in my head, but it couldn't have been that long, and Something said, there is something to all this. This means something. This is not a joke. This is not a test. All of this is... All these people, you're trying to tell me for 1,984 years, so many people, billions of people have been inspired by one story of a quote-unquote man's life to the point where they make music, art, writing, poetry. And you're telling me that it didn't exist and it's not real and we don't need it? Like, you got to be kidding me. Right. That right. Christianity is like, and I, this is straight, I stole this from the internet. But it, <laughs> Christianity's like, Christianity's like this movie that you saw. And it's like the best movie. AKA, let's say it's Rocky, because it's my favorite movies. I'm like, dude, you've got to see Rocky. And it will change your life. Mm -hmm. If you see Sylvester Stallone take down, you know, Apollo Creed, it's going to change your life. I promise you. Even though he lost in the first one. Uh, Okay, but how I got into hip-hop is a very interesting story. So on the night before I was set to go to trial, I had the option of five years in prison. It was three years in prison, two years of probation, or like three years on house arrest and do probation, two years of probation. And I was like sitting on the back corner. I was converted at this time. I was a full-fledged member of the Church Universal. And I was like, all right, Jesus. And I had been a musician my whole life, and I had stopped doing music. I said, all right, Jesus, if you keep me out of prison so I can be with my family and still work and make money and not leave them in the dust, I will sing your praises. 
went down there. They put me on house arrest. I did not lose my freedom necessarily. So I was like, okay, time to do music. Like that following week or two, I started to do the church choir. And as wonderful as it was, it just wasn't fulfilling. And all the music that I wanted to play, like Christian rock and roll, was kind of cheesy. I'd always been a rap fan. And I had just like looked up Christian, I said, I typed in Catholic hip hop. And this guy, John Levi, showed up. And he had a song called Real Presence. And I heard it. And I was like, dude, this is hip hop. Dude, this is Jesus. And then I just started listening to more and more and more. And I was like, I want to try this because I've always been kind of a lyricist. So I got on my phone. Oh, you can record on your phone. Let me try this out. I found, I like wrote a little stupid beat and I wrote a song and it was called used to be a dream. And it's the first song. It's still on my SoundCloud. It's awful. But I asked my wife, I was like, do I sound corny? And she was like, no, you do not sound corny. I was like, okay. I recorded another song. I was like, does this sound corny? She was like, no. And then I started releasing a track every week for like, it was like three or four months. Every week, a new track, new track, new track. Till I finally decided, all right, I want to write an album. And I want to write an album called Stations. And it's going to be 14 tracks, each one for each station of the cross. That's coming out Lent. Like at the beginning of Lent, that's going to drop. The idea is to get kids to pray and use each song as a prayer because each station, each track comes from the actual uh, traditional station. So like consider first of all the first fall of our Lord, like that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, and the idea is to put it on, go to the stations, listen to the song, say a Hail Mary and our Father, move on. And so they're just short little, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. That's it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that song's, that album's going to come out in Lint, I'm hoping. So. Very exciting. Yeah. So you had something in your life recently that was a tragic event that just, it not that easy to talk about, but I know you said you wanted to mention a few things about it. It's it's not easy to talk about, and uh, you know my wife's in the room with me, and we talked, and she's she's okay with us talking about it. She wants us to talk about it because it's something not a lot of people have, uh, know about or deal with. Uh, Elizabeth, my wife, was pregnant, and we were six weeks along, and um, we had to go to the hospital one night because she was experiencing some pain. And we found out that the baby was in one of her tubes and had to be removed surgically. And this is called an ectopic pregnancy. Wow. It's very much different than a miscarriage. Not that that's any less worse, but the the difference is that through a miscarriage, the you know mm -hmm. embryo, for back of a better term, passes through the body. This one had to be surgically removed and had to have one of her tubes cut out, thus removing... 50% of her chance at uh, us reproducing again. So that was horrible. Yeah. No doubt about it. We decided to name the child Ezra, which means helper in Hebrew. It was the name we talked about. Um, 
we I wanted a boy, she wanted a boy. Got a house full of girls here, so um, you know we have a saint in heaven is the only way to look at it positively. Mm-hmm. But we never got to meet him. We never got to hold him. You know, I actually had a line in a song. It was, uh, "You were the size of an apple seed. I was going to show you the faith of a mustard seed." And so. Shout out T with Tolkien. Here we go. Bringing it full circle. She randomly messaged us on Twitter because I had been keeping everybody, hey, keep praying. Hey, keep praying. Hey, keep praying. And T with Tolkien was like, you should set up a GoFundMe. And I was like, I don't want to ask people for money. And she was like, well, you know, just to cover your finances. Are you missing work? Yeah, I'm going to miss about three or four days. Well, help that will help with this. And I was like, I don't want to do it. And I just like randomly threw up on – I said, hey – I don't want to ask for money, Catholic Twitter, but here's a PayPal account. Well, it's, someone immediately sent us $10. Then we tried to open it up and found out that we actually owed PayPal money, and they were going to take it from us. Nice. So, so we were like, okay, we're going to open a GoFundMe page. I don't even remember how much I initially put on there. Something crazy like $1,500, and uh, we ended up raising $2,200. And it was all from generation, generous donors from Catholic Twitter, people who passed it on, people, and I, you know, and I never really got a chance to say thank you because the grieving process. As a man, I was like, okay, I'm gonna financially support this family, and then I was like, I have to be off work, so I'm gonna control our finances, and I'm gonna do this GoFundMe thing just to see, you know, it was hard. And as a man, it was like, show no mercy, show no. Show no fear, show no tears, and uh, the people behind us on Catholic Twitter like really rallied behind us and was like random people from all over the states, all over the world. Actually, I have a friend in India who got his bank account locked out trying to send us money on the GoFundMe page because he works for the ISRO, which is like the Indian NASA, and they thought that you know, because he was sending money to a foreign bank account in the U.S. that there was some spy stuff going on, and he has to go behind. He has to go in front of the high court to get his bank accounts opened back up because he was trying to send us money. And uh, Matt Baker may or may not have made an anonymous donation, and we wanted to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, our whole family. I mean, I yeah, that's that's that's, a, that's how Matt and I kind of like really started talking you know i just reached out to him because we we had been like yeah let's do this show and then like i finally was like i don't have anybody to talk to and i was like matt this happened and you know pray for us like i don't know just random people from across like i would send the thing to people and i'd be like hey can you share this on your facebook page and not only would they share it to our facebook page like friends and family, they would donate to us. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not like send that to you so you would donate our, to us. Like They're like, I know, but we wanted to help you out. Like, dummy, we love you. And it was like, <laughs> it was like really crazy because all these people love us. And all we did was like be a family and just genuinely like share Christ. And it, it was incredible. Like it brings tears to my eyes right now just thinking about it. Yeah, that's one of the redeeming part of this whole story, or as much as it 
there can be a positive spin yeah. as the the community. I was that's I was really impressed with everyone and it everyone kind of rallied behind people and I I know there are people that have their own troubles with people on Twitter and it can seem kind of like a bickering place but for for this moment in time everyone had this cause basically to rally behind and they they really helped. That's what was crazy about it. It was like I didn't even know you guys knew who I was. And when like I had brought my family element into it like we became like a whole group of people like praying for us, praying for our family. Like I didn't even know I don't know. It was just I didn't know it would affect people so deeply. Like I was expecting like a few prayers and like hey how are you and no, we had like people like you know like the little button that says you got request messages but because you mm-hmm. don't follow that person full like every other day full like did not wow. know how to I didn't even know how to access that and then I'd find it like 10 days later and I'm like oh my gosh I'm so sorry I just saw this like uh please don't think I was being a jerk we're going through like I tried to go and like and or reply to every single person's comment and there was like like at least 200 but I think there was way more of like one or two different three or four posts that I made and um yeah I mean we're still recovering but I have no idea obviously what you all have been going through and it's but I'm glad everyone was praying for you and it's just one of those things that I guess over time it never becomes any easier, but you just kind of look at the look at the positives. The scariest part was like my wife actually could have died, right? Like because she was bleeding internally, and like we did not know. Like I remember praying, like I was sitting there praying a rosary, and I was like, "Please just let this be like one of those like random pregnancy pains that they just have. Like let it be." something like she's uncomfortable but like i'm sad that she's in pain but let it be just something you know like anything other than this <laughs> right i mean our world was our world flipped upside down and because in six weeks that turned that there was a family member you know when people do go through things like that like as a psa like it never gets easier but you know and it's hard to be like why did you do this god you know why did you do this to us yeah um but i will never know the answers to that question yeah well hey i don't know how to transition from from that but um you know where can people find you on twitter so if they okay. can reach out and uh so you can find me at Clement the Man, which is Clement C L E M E N T T H A M A N. Reason I chose Clement was because uh he was the fourth pope or third or second, mm-hmm. depending on who you want. But he was a prison min he died because he was converting people in prison in Rome. And since my legal troubles I thought that just really hit home for me. Plus, he was an amazing order, order and a great writer. And he was not a modalist as much <laughs> as my oneness Pentecostal friends 
want oh, to yeah. say. So at Clement the Man, T H A Man, uh, on there you can find my wife. It's uh, at Tokyo Juzo, T O T O K Y O underscore J U U Z O U, Tokyo Juzo. From uh, the show Tokyo Ghoul, Juzo's a character on there. Shout out to all of our anime nerds. Uh, You can find me on SoundCloud. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on iTunes, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal. uh, Anywhere that music is sold or streamed. But mostly just go to YouTube and search Clement the Man. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, yeah, everyone, reach out to Clement and... Uh, thanks for listening and we will talk with you all next week absolutely thank you guys so much for having me on there see you later have a great night it was fun see you later